I thought we had a great show yesterday, but our sound quality was horrific. So I just want to cover just a few things that we talked about, just so in case people just couldn't stand listening to the other recording. Uh, first thing I want I wanted to ask you first, Rem, can you please tell us about, and I know you kind of already talked about it, but you had an actual chance to speak with Billy this time didn't you, when you were just in Switzerland, what, a month ago or two weeks? Yeah, uh, beginning of July. Let's see, most of, most of, yeah, pretty much uh, July 5th through July 16th I was there. And um, I guess it was on the 15th I got to talk to him at length for about an hour. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, was, so what, it was great. What, what did you guys talk about? It was just kind of normal stuff, you know. Just, the, we- the weather? You know, like what kind of pets. <laughs> yeah. People who are. You broke up a little the bit. Weather. Hold on a second. I might, I might have to. Uh, just, just a moment. Can you just give me a moment? Sure. Might have to. I might have to go somewhere else. Just bear with me here. Okay. Hey, hey, so Mark, yeah. if, if you had the, if you were able to sit down and talk to Billy, what is the first question you would ask him after you found your voice? <laughs> I would ask him, um, since love is the highest principle in all creation and everything exists through absolute logic, I want to know the absolute logic through which everything exists. That would be one of the questions I would ask him. That's a good one. I actually, um, do you know the guy that does the program Nature's Way? Yes. Um, He asked me for like 10 or 15 questions for Billy because he's trying to go over there to interview him. I don't know if he's going to have any luck or not, but... Okay, I'm back. Yeah. So and tell I, us about your discussion with Billy. You were talking with him, right? Yeah. So it it really wasn't very deep <laughs> um, because I know that um, if you want to ask him some some really deep questions, he would like to answer you as best as he can. And he like, um, but unfortunately, my German isn't good enough um, to be able to just uh, dive right in and talk about some really really deep things so um let me ask you a quick question sorry why it's fresh in my mind i've noticed that too like i remember billy's interview his 2011 interview yeah remember that one is just like so profound and he all this information is like coming out of him and you're blown away but he was speaking in german and it was subtitles so he can't really do that in English, can he? Um, well, I mean, if, if you speak slowly and you speak in terms that he can understand, um, he has a pretty extensive English vocabulary, but I, I don't know how extensive it is. Yeah. I mean, I definitely can't articulate everything I would like to articulate and at the speed that is comfortable for me um, and have him um, – and expect him to be able to just respond right back. So, and then another thing is that I, I really didn't want to bug him about, um, 
like really um, weighty huh. things. I really wanted to kind of just have a normal conversation with him. And I felt like he would appreciate that. And, and I've, you know, I've met other, other people who are, <clears throat> who are like famous in some respects or another and, and, um, and talked with them. And it's, you know, I find that, I find that the, um, the guard is down more. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's less, it's just more relaxing to just talk about normal things. So, I mean, I, we just, we talked about pets that we've had and, and, oh, really? uh, and oh. yeah. And like our, I told him about my girlfriend and her daughter who we're raising and, and, uh, hmm. and we just, you know, just had, I mean, there were, there were a few interesting things, but, but I mean, mostly, <clears throat> excuse me, um, mostly it was a really normal conversation and it's, and it's nice to, uh, it's nice to, when you're there, um, you know, we, you can either, you can either be thinking about, um, all of the contact notes and all of the amazing things in the, mm-hmm. in, in the information. Um, or you can also just appreciate the place for what it is and, and enjoy the company of all these people and, and, and just take, take in how peaceful of a place it is. And it really, the Semiazi Silver Star Center is, um, is more of a botanical garden than anything. It's just filled with, it's just filled with all these different kinds of trees and plants from all over the world. And, and Mm. Billy himself is, is kind of a master gardener. Wow. Technically. I mean, he's, he's really, really knowledgeable about plants and how to prune things correctly and how much water they need and what kind how much sunlight things need. And, I remember different contact reports where he was um, being told about some things like that, like uh, this kind of, you know, some some trees need to be spaced apart this amount and and, uh, you know, the strawberries need to be here and this needs to be there. Um, But it's uh, it's I think it's to sum it up, it's a it's a place where it's it's kind of the the epicenter of maybe the most important movement in all of world history, past, present, and future. And it's also kind of mundane. You get, you get the sense that like when you're there, it's just, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's not like, uh, something that needs to be like worshiped or like treated like so with so much reverence that it, it gets out of balance. Um, it's just, it's just kind of normal being there. It just feels really comfortable. It's really peaceful and, um, everybody gets along pretty well. There are, there are people have their differences there and, and that's all acknowledged and accepted. But, um, generally it, um, it's peaceful and it feels, I, 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 this time being there, I got the feeling of like, you know, mundane, (laughs) you know, and, and, uh, so anyway. (laughs) Let me let me ask you this. <clears throat> Billy's a little bit older now. Um, do you think that plays a role in any of this? Um, not, you know, is he? Is it more difficult for him at eighty-one to break into these very deep and profound things? I don't or think do so. You, oh, you think he's just as in sharp as attack? Sharp as attack. Okay, that's what I wondered. Yeah, I mean, he he does forget things though, but um, but he you know he's he's very sharp. He's he's uh, 
He's agile. He'll walk around. He's got good posture. Um, he's very, very with it. You know, he's not like some people who are a little kooky. Um, he's just really, uh, he's very present, very present. And, uh, did you, it, 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 did you get the feeling he was waiting for something? Um, not sure what you mean. Just anticipatory, as though he was kind of in a in-between stage of, of, you know, activity. And so he was waiting for something to trigger a new beginning or a new direction or a new level or a new something. No, not really. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I know that when I was there, he was he had a he had a shoulder injury recently and uh, he was he was just kind of. In that sense, he was kind of like just waiting for his shoulder to to recover so that he could write again. So, um, and he just kind of laughed and he's like, "It's an experience." <laughs> you know what I really so, like about it, also, Rem, is uh, the work ethic. You know, his his oh. personal work ethic and the work ethic of the people there just seems to be uh, very admirable. They have great work work ethic. Yeah, I mean, they and they don't work themselves to the into the dust. They have a healthy amount of work, so they they do what what they feel is necessary to to be done, and um, and they also they also appreciate their downtime. So they you know they 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 all make it um, kind of a they make they make a point of like having lunch at noon or like taking a coffee break at three, you know, and uh, and like being done basically by five so that you can do other things before you go to bed and not like working, working your ass off until you have to go to bed and then doing the same thing in the morning, you know, but just having that balance and that ability to produce like they do. I mean, uh, just the amount of books that he's written, but just that overall vitality that uh, I think is important. It's interesting. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like every time I come back from there, it's, I feel like I have a better grasp on, what I need to do in my life for my life to be successful. And I feel like I, I also can think clearly. I feel like I have more, more motivation and drive. And, um, and it's, and it's good to go there because it's, you, you kind of see an example of, of how things can be, you know, it's not like you have to do everything like they do there, but it's just one option, you know, recommendation. How many people were at the center at that time? Well, let's see. I mean, um, you know, it's like the it's the resident. It's a private residence, technically, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, so so. Billy lives there. His wife, or I guess Ava is not. I don't know if she's his wife, but she's his life partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a daughter, Selena. And there's uh, a few core group members who. You know, like Bernadette, who lives there. There's a few other people who live on the on the property. I'm not 100% sure of who lives there and who doesn't. Got some ideas of who lives there, but pro- I would say probably like eight to ten people. And and um, and it and from a financial perspective, it makes sense because it's you know it's a, it's like a, it's an expensive place to live, and if you can pool your resources, it's it's pretty smart to uh, to have a place like that where um, just even from that one perspective that every, everybody can can uh, live a little bit more more cheaply 
um, and also be in a community together where where um, they know and, and trust the people in their surroundings and they can also talk about these things and, and, and grow as individuals. You mentioned Bernadette. She she wrote the book on Nocodamian, right? Yeah. Have you talked to her about that at all? I did, actually. Tell us about that. So, um, I guess, uh, let's see. I have to really think about that. But Nocodamian was, uh, so let's see. There was some confusion. I know there was some confusion on whether Nocodamian came came back uh, from Atherasada three times, or some people were saying that for a while. And huh. I think I think that the Nocodamian personality was the one the who I think he, she gave me the number of years he lived, um, but I don't remember. I think it was like. 1200 years lived to be about 1200 years old or somewhere around there. Like, um, and that was, that was, uh, the personality of the person who, um, Okadamian personality was the personality who lived before he transferred into the, um, uh, half material state or the level of the high council Thing. like that was like his his most previous human physical body before going into the higher levels hmm. and then going back you know because the nocodamia the person the spirit form within billy was also in all of these other people in the past most previously before billy was rasputin and hmm. um enoch uh, elijah isaiah jeremiah uh emmanuel and mohammed and as well as some other people like Mozart, Galileo, uh, Mendelssohn, um, Socrates, I think. And, uh, and so all these, these are all more recent personalities of this Nocodamian spirit form. But, uh, I think there were, there were a number of, there were a number of, she said that there were a number of people who were called Nocodemian who were, carrying that same spirit form so i think there were three nocodamians it's kind of uh kind of like enoch yeah kind of like kind of like that and she said she said that back in those times uh whenever nocodamian was alive as a person um that nocodamian the name nocodamian was rather common kind of like john Mm -hmm. or something you know so that was that was just uh you know there were probably other people walking around with that name Hey Ram, did, did they ever mention uh, any of? Did he ever have a, any female personalities? Just out of curiosity. Uh, never mentioned it, but I'm sure, I'm sure he has. They say that the, but they say that um, any time that there's a prophet, uh, that they, it's it's better for it to be a male personality because of the hostilities and <laughs> and in the world that we live in, um, it's it's so much more difficult to. Uh, to be a prophet as a, as a female, because I mean, people don't take, uh, him seriously enough as a, as a male. Imagine if he was a female, mm-hmm. right? you know, yeah. I mean, I, you ask any, yeah. So ask any woman of the, the problems that they've dealt with and ask the, the male, you know, side, mm-hmm. if they're in the same, 
in the same field. I mean, like we still, we see it all over the place, you know? So, and, and that's in today's world. Imagine in the, back in the day when, uh, uh, well, I don't know how it was a hundred, you know, a few hundred thousand years ago, but, um, <laughs> well, there was a time when women did rule. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we go back way back to the goddess. I mean, yeah. She, there, I mean, she was worshipped as the one. So there, there have been time frames. Not lately, though. I'll give you that. But, but there was a time in history when the goddess was definitely um, the god, the godhead. Sure. The one of the things I wanted to just to bring up, and maybe you could comment on this, uh, Rem, is that. Uh, Nokodamian was, I think, originally from a planet named Sadr, S-A-D-R, which was something like three billion light years from Earth. I just wanted to make sure everyone kind of realized that people that listen to this, you know, archive, we're not talking about anybody that walked around. Uh, that personality was never on the Earth, correct? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Um, but I know that Nokodamian um, had created uh, different peoples. Um, like where, through, where, how, where did Bernadette get this information? Did she get it from Billy? Yeah, she got it from Billy. She's, I mean, she's okay. known Billy for I, – I, would just uh, deduce that she had gotten it all from Billy because so she wouldn't be able to find out for her, for herself through her own meditation or anything like that. But she's known Billy for a really long time, 40, 45 years, maybe 50 years. I don't know. I think that um, would be a, a great book to have translated into English, man. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? Oh. Yeah, they're, they're, they'll all be translated eventually. Yeah, who knows if they'll be translated in our lifetimes. But I know that um, the Canada group is translating, or they've already translated uh, the book Arahat Athersada. And um, I think they're just collecting funds to have it published into book form right now. Wow. I, don't know if they're, I don't know how far along they are on that or not. You know, I, I was reading somewhere that Spoff was in his previous personality was a friend or an associate of one of Billy's previous personalities. I don't know if it was Nokodamian or not. Do you remember anything along those lines? I don't remember anything specific, but I'm pretty sure that Billy and then all of his contacts, um, as well as other people involved in the mission, all go back as friends in previous personalities way back throughout time. That is phenomenal. I just think that's really, really cool. Maybe not, maybe not always friends, but um, at least associates, you know, like or acquaintances or something, right? Exactly. Working, working toward the same thing. Now he's, he lives at Hinterschmidruti. So there is a village like in front of his property called Schmidruti. Yeah, that's correct. So it's is, it's is it very big? Is it small? What's it? What oh, it's like? it's so small. It's like a it's 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 like ten buildings or something. You know, it's um or maybe a little more, or maybe a little less. But it's like um <clears throat> you wouldn't you wouldn't think it's a 
you wouldn't think of it as a town. It's it's more of just like a few a few buildings, and then uh, where the Fryhof is, that you turn into that drive, and then you go down down the drive toward the forest, and then you um, pass a few other people's houses, and then you go through uh, the the paved road turns into a gravel driveway, and then you it curves around under some through some trees and bushes and then you you pass all these all these uh log piles and like um they're really neatly stacked logs with like little roofs they hmm. built for them and you know thousands of logs really and uh yeah oh yeah tons just like for for firewood it's all firewood um and then uh and then yeah and then this is just the main visitor lot for the for the Semyazi Silver Star Center and uh, and that's Hinderschmidt Rudy is just down the down the driveway a little bit further, which is basically <clears throat> Hinderschmidt Rudy is basically the the center and the the accompanying buildings, uh, oh. which are yeah. So I see. I didn't know that. So did you land in Zurich and then drive to the center, rent a car or whatever? Yeah, I rented a car, drove there. It takes about forty five minutes or so, something like that. Are you on the other side of the road than what we drive on? No, it's normal. It's like okay. or normal for us, you know. So it's just on the right side, and um, it's pretty pretty similar to driving here actually. And especially if you have GPS, it's no problem to get there. I didn't want to dominate the conversation. I didn't even know we were going to go this path. I think it's really interesting. Um, Stephen or, or Barbara, jump in if you have any questions. Okie doke. Okay. okay. Well, the thing about it is, is it's nice to 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 get a grasp on the fact that these are real people. It's a real place. This isn't, you know, it's not imaginary. It's not like uh, it's not um, yeah. an illusion or anything like that. There's they're actually there. So I've seen some people online who are like, uh, is this really real? Is this, is he really real? Is he really there? Is that a real place? <laughs> and, uh, yes, it's real. <laughs> it's, well, they're really there. You know, there, I think as a contact report 10 and 18 as well, there's this section on materialistic thinking and, uh, the materialistic thinker, for example, would say, they would be like irrationally skeptical. They would say, well, you don't have a, a manuscript for the Talmud of Emmanuel anymore. And um, why would these, of course, then you could explain it to him. Why would these extraterrestrials contact him? I mean, of course, then again, as I say, you could explain it to them. Um, oh, but this, you know how they always attack one little tiny little thing on one photograph that doesn't look right to them. So they want to throw the whole thing out. Because of one little strange little, who knows, light refraction on a photograph, I find these people to be so bizarre. I mean, they really do. And unfortunately, so many people in our country and our world think this way. They don't. It's, come. Do you it's know black I mean? and white. It's black and white thinking. Um, yeah. It's very common. And uh, there's James Deardorff, who was a professor at Oregon State University, who. Um, I think he passed away in the last few years, actually. But he, in the in the 90s, was a um, he found out about the Talmud Emanuel. He was a professor in theology, and um, 
thought about it as another Bible hoax and he wanted to investigate it. And <clears throat> I think he ended up um, finding over 300 examples of, of, uh, of, of why the Talmud Emmanuel is actually more likely the, the original gospel of Matthew. And, um, and as uh, instead of it being the other way around, as it being a hoax, he's, he's found more evidence of it being um, likely to be the original. And, uh, and there you can read on his, his website is uh, www.tjresearch.com. I think that's the website. And you know, I, I interviewed him a few times. Oh, really? And, oh, yeah, yeah. And just before he died, and uh, he, um, he was still alive when the new one came out. And he did not like the new one, which I can't imagine how you could possibly take that stance. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the new one is so superior in terms of the translation and, and all this explanation that Billy has in there. There were many things, and that's what I've been reading lately, and you guys can jump in on this. There were many things that uh, Issa Rashid he just wouldn't write down because of his religious background. He just couldn't make himself um, write things down. He was like there was a mental block. Do you remember reading that? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please, please comment. Well, he was uh, he was seeing things uh, seeing things in the um, what he was what he was working on that that didn't correspond with his religious beliefs and uh or he would or he would translate things based on his knowledge and uh you know and, and skew it maybe a little bit more toward the religious end instead of being um instead of being neutral so um i i don't have it in front of me but I, what what did some of, what were some of the examples like using I, the I, word guardian angels or i got i got something right here that i'll, I'll read and uh, Barbara, you probably have the original or the first Talmud. The the new one is gigantic. I'll just say that. So uh, <laughs> then I do. I do indeed have the first. Then <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. This one's massive. This is Ptah speaking to Billy, and he says, uh, and "Unfortunately, that corresponds to the facts, but it is not surprising if it is considered that Isa Rashid was a Christian believer who was not able to free himself." from his confused and irrational belief, not even after he had cast aside his lay priesthood. Unfortunately, the rule is, with regard to a religious or even a religious sectarian belief, that this affects the genes, and from this side acts so strongly on the decisive temporal lobe that the belief cannot be acted against. The once established belief exerts such a compelling power over the intellect and rationality that these are simply immobilized and rendered inoperable. This means that the human being, if he or she has fallen prey to a religious belief, is no longer master of his or her senses with regard to decision-making ability concerning the belief and all its connections. Thus, no thoughts based on intellect or rationality can be maintained anymore because of the belief with regard to this as well as regarding 
all that which is connected with it, because the religious belief makes the human being extensively biased and its slave. Bear with me. This is really important to read. Consequently, he or she moves unconsciously at every moment in his or her belief, namely that the underlying anxiety in case he or she thinks or does something against his or her belief, and if corresponding feelings also arise from the unconscious thoughts of the anxiety, then the human gets bogged down even more in his or her belief and finds no way to free himself from it. Precisely, this was also the case with Ether Rashid. Consequently, the anxiety of writing something other than what his belief allowed him was predominant in him. So also his intellect and rationality in this regard were caught in the, in the jumble of his belief and could not prevail. Thus he was able to act in accordance with the given truth in order to translate the scroll truthfully. He was not able to act because his belief had held his thoughts and feelings by force as a vice. He could not, therefore, make himself free from his belief because he truthfully, he was truthfully a slave of belief. But what I explain to you with my words, you yourself know consequently, and it is nothing for, new for you. Now, maybe later I can read another section which explains the way a person can free them, their self from belief. And it's kind of very interesting because I did this accidentally, not knowing. Uh, but does any of that resonate with you, uh, Rem? Oh, uh, definitely. And um, so, I mean, that's. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the main goals of the spiritual teaching, and by by the way, like no. And, and it's it, it takes a lot of mental work to free ourselves from belief yeah and it takes a long time mm -hmm. and uh, but that's why one of the main goals of the spiritual teaching um, which Billy writes down and uh, which can be found in nature as the creational natural laws and recommendations but that's the, one of the main goals of the spiritual teaching is to deactivate um, cult mentality and religious thinking and beliefs. And to help the human being get back on track with the natural way of thinking, which is evolutive, healthy, self-sufficient, uh, free of vices, um, logical, creative, wise, uh, far-sighted, but also aware, responsible, and and um, oh, and oriented towards love, peace, harmony, and freedom in every respect. So. Um, yeah, you used a word there that I think, you know, really needs to be underlined because people who are really indoctrinated into any major religion have theoretically joined a cult. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so this is the whole goal of, of what Billy and Figu are trying to do is uh, to help set people back straight with the the natural way you know and the creational natural laws and so to the person who's acquainted with the creational natural laws um the the might the might of one's own thoughts and and uh, one's own initiative become the decisive factor in everything in life so not like god or like a religion 
or this or that, something outside of you, but it's um, your own thoughts. So then ultimately your own destiny is in your own hands. That's that's the whole that's the goal right there. Steven, you got any comments, Steven? Oh, I'm just taking all this in. Yeah, I've got a lot of things I'm processing here, but it's so. You know, a, a lot of Billy's material goes hand in hand with uh, Neville Goddard's material. Are any of you familiar with him? Mm-mm, no, no. Um, he died in the '70s, but he, his philosophy was that uh, we have within each of us that that spark of, of creation. And that that we can do anything that we want to do if we use, he said the mind, but but really I do believe he was meaning the spirit. And um, his material is is fascinating in that it dovetails so so amazingly into everything that Billy Meyer says about creation and about love and about um, Neville Garden, Goddard wasn't so much into the love as he was into the the power of the mind and how the spirit can work within to create anything that we want it to. Stephen, is that related to that other book you sent me at all? Is that other book also an author that is somewhat similar to Billy or was that a different book? That's a a different book, but... um, his principles are similar, yeah, uh, as far as in many aspects, yeah. I, I won't get into it here because it will take us too far off topic, but yeah. So the thing that I, that I like about Billy, though, and I, Barbara, I, I agree with what you said. I think that's I think that is good. And um, but the only thing that I would say is that uh, I'd recommend um, based on based on my talks with Willem, um Mondria over in Switzerland recommend he, he would recommend to try to keep the use of the term mind the term mind at a minimum okay. because oh. it, because he says that it's a rather unclear and imprecise term in English and he would call it a fuzzy term and there's no single term in German for it and that's what I like about the Billy stuff is it's so precise <clears throat> Now, one thing that oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. Oh, so, uh, one thing that was striking me, like with striving, right? And our our spiritual consciousness has to strive against our material consciousness. It seems like at this point in our development, just like we have to strive in this, you know, lifetime, right, to understand these principles. Uh, at this uh, at this point for us, I, I look at it and say, you know, I how often do I listen to my spiritual uh, impulses. Mm. Yeah. We're so tied into our physical senses that do we really listen to those impulses and and uh, or do we fight against them? Well, you know, it's very interesting because I, I think our subconscious is programmed with negative thinking, and it literally, if we we'll let if we let it take over, we will be in negative thinking twenty four seven. And it will cause all kinds of problems in our life. So that's why I'm always into this mode of trying to add back in some positive thinking in order to take those negative thoughts and kind of neutralize them. Because I've read somewhere, and this is like scientists are doing this research now, people like Dr. Bruce Lipton and, and people like that, 
Most people have about 10,000 negative thoughts a day. It's outrageous. That book I sent to you, that, that really is the main crux of it. Really? Right, yeah. Wow, I'll enjoy that book. I'll be reading that like crazy, man. <laughs> because I think that's the big fight. That's the big chore. At least it... What book was that? It's Sorry. called, what, The Four Directions? Four Agreements, yeah. Four Agreements, okay. But, but oh, Mark, that's that book. But so, Mark, Mark mm-hmm. don't, don't we come in with a clean slate as far as conscious, subconscious, and that it's our, it's our environment, it's the people around us. I mean, our brain absorbs information like crazy, and it, it absorbs the positive and the negative. The, the first seven years of our life, we're in a theta state. Right. And most, mostly it's the subconscious that's absorbing everything. And we're absorbing things from our parents and we're absorbing things from society. And look how twisted and confused and corrupt our society is. Well, yeah, you're talking about adults here, but a child who is brought up surrounded by love and with all of the, I mean, it, it, I, I think that we have exposure to many different things and we, we at this point, really choose what to absorb and what not to. Or if we absorb something that is of a negative nature, we can dispose of it as well. We can now if we reprogram ourselves. Yeah. Our, our default thinking is very negative because we were all raised by parents that didn't have any of the spiritual teaching, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean... So I mean, think about that, you know, it, it's the inherited lies and things that wherein there is no profit. Say that again. That was interesting. That's actually from the Bible, unfortunately. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's so interesting. Um, you know, Marianne, you, you were talking about Marianne's husband, right? Rem? William? Um, yeah, Willem. Willem. Marianne, about two or three years ago, sent me an email about some of Bruce Lipton's stuff, that I should look into it. And it took me about three years to get around to doing it, and I wish I had done it sooner. Um, And, uh, Stephen, I think you actually read his Biology of Belief book, correct? Yes. And I don't know if... Barbara and um, Rem are familiar with his work, but what Bruce Lipton did basically was he um, was doing research on stem cells. And and this was like in the 70s, and he found that a stem cell would turn into a muscle cell. Stem cells are embryonic cells. So he found that a stem cell would turn into a muscle cell if it was put into a Petri dish with the right kind of solution. He found that a stem cell would become um, a bone cell if it was put into the right environment. And he found that the same thing with a stem cell could turn into a fat cell depending on the contents of the Petri dish. So what he came away from that with is that the genetics is not the main factor, but it's... The environment, meaning that your thoughts affect your blood chemistry, and your blood chemistry is what controls your health. And again, that it all comes back from the thoughts. 
is kind of where I'm going with all this. Uh, does any of that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I think I it think, does. So I think uh, based and, – and free will is something that people either choose to use or, or to not utilize as much. So some people can radically change their um, their DNA through radically changing their thoughts and radically changing their actions and um, and and almost break break away and and have pretty significantly different DNA than they did when they were born. And then some people can, the way I understand it at all is that some people can also just uh, not choose to uh, um, change much at all in their lifetimes and they're they're pretty much stuck with the with the same thing that they had when they were when they were little but but isn't there more to this than just learning a philosophy it's it's embracing and then manifesting that philosophy it's um unless you, you unless you manifest it it doesn't count yeah it doesn't work unless you can change the programming of your subconscious and you can only do that through repetition 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 or and they've got some other techniques now but you're right you can read self-help books until you're blue in the face <laughs> and it's not going to help unless you take that effort of now the way i've done it is or a way i'm trying to do it is through repetition affirmations and, yeah, yeah, affirmations plus memorizing um, certain lines in his books, w which helped me a lot. But there's other ways to do it now, and Bruce Lipton talks about it. I don't remember what they all are. but No, Mark, wouldn't you consider that every step that you're taking, that's striving? So mm -hmm. every, every, every striving that we have that goes towards the creational laws and recommendations, creation itself is going to assist you in that process. As you're working towards it, that's where you get that you know, your spirit will impulse you for the desires of creation, which will assist you in meeting those needs. I read that somewhere today, I think, even. That's a very good point you make. Extremely mm -hmm. good point. Interesting. Um, what What was I going to say? I was going to say <laughs> something about that. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um don't you just hate that? What were you saying, Barbara? Maybe you could clue me back into like what, what I, 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 it just I went away. My issue with all of this, and it's not an issue, it's just an observation, that you can be a parrot or you can be a prophet. If you just repeat what you've read without living it and manifesting it within your reality, you're just a parrot, and it doesn't count, and it doesn't matter how many times you go chapter and verse. It doesn't exactly. change your life. No, that's what that's that that. Now I remember what I was going to say. So yeah, no, I know that there there are even people who are studying this material that Billy writes, who uh, who have a have a tough time applying it, and who I've seen, um, you know, as as well have have problems with it and not really make too many changes in their lives because it's all up to it's all up to the individual. Um, so every, and everybody, everybody has these problems and, and it's okay. You know, some people mess their lives up and some people don't, and it's all okay. You know, we're all just, we're all just learning, you know? Um, I guess you don't have to take it so seriously, but you do. 
in well, other ways. I, th- so. I, I truly believe that without laughter, you don't get enlightenment and you don't get to where you need to be. That's interesting. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Well, yeah. And I would imagine Billy is that way too, though I've never met the man. It seems to me that in spite of the fact that he's gone through some of the most profound experiences that any any human being could have, there has to be laughter in his life. And if there's not laughter in there's, there's life, you know, there's there's something missing. I can now speak from personal experience that he has a great sense of humor. He loves to laugh uh-huh. and he is all he's he's so jovial, you know, and uh, I mean, we were we were having a lot of a lot of great. Uh, we were just telling telling jokes and and uh, thinking about this and that and you know, we had we had some serious moments as well and like I told him that I think you know it's I really appreciate everything that you've taught me about um, the, or everything that that I've read which you've written about about death because it helped me really cope with my father's my father's death which happened last summer, uh, 2017. Hmm. And it really, it, and it all really helped. And he just goes, you know, that's, that's my job. You know, you're, 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 you're Did he welcome. Say that? Did he yeah. say that? That is great. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, and I also, what, what else did I mean that, you know, then we were, we were also laughing about, uh, like the devil and, and like, Hitler and he, Billy was like, maybe, maybe he is in hell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> according to billions of people on this planet, he is in hell. So, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it'd be really interesting is if he had reincarnated already. No, I think he has. I think, oh. uh, they, somebody said that, uh, Hitler has reincarnated and is, uh, like a factory worker or something like in, in Germany or, or I don't know. Is that right? To, I don't Just know. Kind yeah, of I think that's an unknown background personality, huh? Yeah. That's yeah, so maybe maybe still a strong personality like he was in the that the last lifetime, but uh but not as much influence, I don't think. Um it doesn't seem to be that way. What else did we joke about? It hell is hell is only on earth. It's it exists in the center of the planet. It's in all of the universe. Hell is just on the earth. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, but but anyway, he likes he likes to joke. And um, oh, backing up quite a ways in the conversation, I wanted to say something else to what, something that Stephen had said that uh, you're talking about the four agreements. And um, people have talked about uh, that Don Miguel Ruiz had actually. Um, uh, borrowed, if you will, those those tenets from Billy's literature early on, mm. uh, or well, even pl- I, plagiarized. Well, I that's what I told uh, uh, Mark about too, because there's a section called the Smoky Mirror, and I'm like, boy, that sounds just like the excerpts from Billy's uh, early life. Yeah, so there's a there's a actually a paper that somebody has written. I think it's on um, the Figu Switzerland website in german about the four agreements and about how he stole that from billy's work but i i'd have to go back and check it out it's in german and i've only read just a part of the crude google translate version of it so but you know know, that's one of the things i thought about too ramen but but i'm looking at just to give it benefit of the doubt right 
where yeah, I think sure. the, the information's good. And if he plagiarized and he didn't admit to it, well, that's kind of a bad thing for sure, right? But I also know through his information that it's talked about when people on different sides of the earth have the same idea at the same time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so I'm like, is that part of this too? Is that possible that maybe he was getting information from the storage banks and releasing it? I don't know. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But another another good thing is that if that you know if that book is helping people, then that's right. that's good. You know. It, Exactly, because you know, it does read differently than Billy's material, you know, uh, but, but it does have totally. some good good uh, advice, you know, that you can put to your life. Uh, so it's just another another source of information, but yeah. I want to switch gears real quick to the Talmud, if we could. Uh, it's one of the things we did talk about yesterday a little bit, and I think um, Rem had some really interesting things to bring up. So my first question would be, um, can you tell us about, and I don't mean to just put you on the spot here, Rem. I mean, this is a discussion, but uh, we have two men named, as you said yesterday, Judas in the Talmud. Not Judas, not two Judases, but two Judas. I think, I think that's how they would, they would uh, pronounce it in, over in Switzerland. And maybe that's how it was pronounced uh, back Back then, when these events were occurring, uh, Judas, Judas, Yud- I- yeah, Ishkeroth, Judas Ishkeriot. Okay, Judas Ishkeriot, who was the friend of Emmanuel. Emmanuel, yeah. Is it a Emmanuel or Emmanuel? Emmanuel. Like, uh, but but I mean that's that's just a technicality maybe I don't know if that's important or not but um, it could be just a just a technical thing but I mean Emmanuel is fine also I mean Billy will say Emmanuel um, but according to also what he has said that that back in back in his time people said pronounced it Emmanuel but. Emmanuel is fine too. So, okay. So, one of the other things that I always say is there was no letter J in any of the Earth languages in the ancient world, and some will argue that the letter J first appeared around 1550. But um, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, also taught the teaching of the prophets. As well, right? And Judas, Judas never wrote down any of that teaching. So there was a whole body of teaching, right? That he just there was too much information; he couldn't write it down. Correct? Yeah, it's just so much. I mean, Judas actually just he wrote down what he could remember, and uh, and he I I I think he wrote it. I think Emmanuel actually dictated some of it to him as well in person, mm-hmm. um, but. It's just the teaching is so extensive and comprehensive that you could never write it all down at that point in time. And it was it was already foreseen that um, at a distant time in the future that there would be a there would be a time when there are technical means available um, to uh, and that there would be enough. There would be a last prophet in a in a in in Emmanuel's line who would who would write the teaching down once and for all um, for all posterity 
And so um, they they didn't really feel like it was necessary to and it, uh, you know, it also really wasn't possible to write as much down as um, maybe some people would have hoped. Right. So tell us about the other Yudas, the Yudas Aishariot. That's a terrible pronunciation. Forgive me. I don't know. Is- Iscariot? Iscariot? Now, he was the son of a Pharisee, right? Yes. Um, Yes. And I believe his father was a member of a sect that was in resistance against the Romans. Was that correct? Well, um, I can't confirm or deny that part of it. And 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 I think I think the other Judas and his father they were really out to silence Emmanuel. Well, that's um, that seems to be the case that there was that, um, and it's something that that I think about sometimes, which is kind of sad that you have all these people walking around today who love Jesus. And they really want to be like the person who we're talking about is actually Emmanuel. Um, but you got all these, all these, all these people and all these religions, billions of people all over the world who really wanted to be like Jesus and know more about him. And uh, and I think it's just too bad that they all found out about him through exactly the means by which. Jesus or Emmanuel did not want his story to be portrayed. Do do you see what I'm saying? It's like, uh, like the church that exists today was still existing is just, is just a a new version of the same church that existed back in Emmanuel's time where they, and, and they, Emmanuel was teaching the creational laws and the church was teaching their church stuff. They're teaching their, their uh, the Old Testament st- stuff, and uh, and then they stole Emmanuel's story, turned his name into Jesus, and then um, changed some things around, um, and uh, and people today are learning about it, and it's just too bad that they're learning about it through the exact thing that Emmanuel would not have liked them t- to learn about it. Well, I don't think he intended that there be a church. I mean, first of all, there were no churches then. Right. There were just temples, but I, I don't. Oh, temples, but yeah. Still, like that, but you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. uh, the the belief system, which is in place now, was also is also like a cousin or like the, a descendant of like the belief system that was in place back then too. And it's like all the same, the same bigwigs and <laughs> and uh, Pharisees, whoever who. Who are also all men, right? They're all like, there's no women power in the church. Right. But but he wasn't preaching a religion. He was preaching a philosophy, a way of life. Yeah, he's he's, he's talking about the uh, uh, nature, right? And the the natural way of living. And, uh, yeah. Another thing is that um, when I was in Switzerland, um. I heard somebody say that that you know that the spiritual teaching you don't actually need it. I mean, you can find out about it 
on your own. Uh, but in this world, we kind of we kind of do need it. But you don't because we're so confused because of all these religions. But you don't actually need it. That's one thing that Billy would even say as well. Um, and Atlantis was his son was telling me this that you don't, or maybe maybe he was telling Daniel this, and Daniel relayed that to me, Daniel Cooper. Hmm. But um, but that you don't actually need the spiritual teaching. Um, but it does it does help if you want to speed up your evolution mm-hmm. and if you want to and if you want to live naturally then then yes it it, it helps but uh, it's not necessary like life and death right Ren is that kind of the reason why um, it was given to us maybe is to counteract the effects of religion because it's been so dramatic that we had to have something you know dramatic if you will as far as a teaching very clear to rise up against, to have a counter you know, polarity from what religion has done. Just like, you know, Muslim uh, faith was brought online to minimize the Christian, to have something to go against it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does. And I think it, I think, you know, it does, um, it, it does act as a counter to um, type, you know, types of religious think like there's religious thinking, like, which is like being controlled by prejudices um, instead of remaining neutral and impartial, um, there's like holding on to mm-hmm. holding on to preconceived notions. I think I would say is probably a part of a part of that type of thinking. Um, the desire for revenge and, and uh, retaliation, um, or the desire to be saved by a miracle, and instead of like uh, instead of uh, taking responsibility um, for your thoughts and, and actions. Um, it's like these harsh words have to be given because of the state of affairs that we're in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, right. and then I guess, I guess, uh, um, you know, such a, such a big, uh, cult religion was created after, um, Emmanuel's time that, uh, which was Christianity that, uh, the, the next personality, um, after Emmanuel was Muhammad and Muhammad knew that his religion would also turn into that. He, he also knew that what he was teaching would be turned into a cult, um, but he basically knew that it had to happen that way to counteract uh, to counteract Christianity. Exactly. Uh, other, otherwise, Christianity would have been a completely um, Run right world, dom- world dominating yeah thing. So, mm-hmm. um, but the whole point of what we're talking about here with with Figu and the creational natural laws is. Uh, you know, countering um, people's willingness to deny their responsibility of their own circumstances, which we create. We create our own circumstances by our own thinking. Um, but religions like to um, make that about make it about something or someone else, like a god or or even the universe, right? So there, we have people who are infected by religious thinking who are not actually involved in religions. Um, people would you know. say that. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You know, one of the interesting things, a lot of these televangelists are pretty smooth. They say, look, send your donation to me, and I'll make sure that you get the blessing from from God. It kind of works, you know, that way. I mean, Kenneth Copeland's a perfect example. He's got two $20 million Learjets now, and Mm -hmm. I think uh, Joel Osteen's worth about $40 million, and... So it's kind of interesting how they kind of have this extravagant lifestyle and these 
gigantic houses and air conditioned dog houses. <laughs> it's it's so outrageous. I just you know it's just amazing the way it is now. Anyway, go ahead. I interrupted. Sorry. But the um, but the 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 uh, negative aspects of thinking which are which are uh, which come out of religion um, and belief belief systems are you know they're prevalent throughout all of society it's not just it's not just uh, within religions you know there's um, people who are infected by this uh, these terrible modes of modes of thinking and without even realizing it um, and that's and figu is uh, is here to kind of counter that. And it's, I mean, by definition, it's a free community of interests. It's, it's right there in the name. It's, which means that none of the members are coerced into joining and they're all, they're all there under their own free volition. So, um, and the, the core, one of the core things that, that is taught is that the human being must be completely responsible for all of his or her thoughts, feelings, and actions and must be held accountable for them. So, um, Billy's not a cult leader and, and like so many know-it-alls like to claim for he strictly opposes cult mentality and relig- religious thinking and, and, uh, belief is almost a taboo word in his vocabulary, you know, and he, but he advocates for each individual human being to use critical thinking and, um, to take personal responsibility for their own lives and to not, and to not believe what even what he says to to like investigate uh, for yourself and um you know the buddha has a wonderful saying and it's <clears throat> it's not it's kind of like just come and see yeah come and see if it works for you if it works for you fine if it doesn't keep moving you know yeah it's great exactly you know, one of the things that you're talking about wrong modes of thinking yeah. Our society is so filled with those. We, one of the big things we have is this victim mentality now. Like, I'm the victim of, you know, sexism, you know, or I'm the victim of, of racist, racism, or I'm, I've been the victim of fat shaming, or I'm gender, I'm gender neutral, so you have to use my, my pronouns. You know, you can't call me a man or a woman. You have to call me, I don't know what their pronouns are, but. We have a strange society, don't we? It's getting weirder all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's going to keep getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And it sounds to me like the negative rotating thoughts, you know, instead of pulling out of that and um, moving on. Well, don't, don't you think, too, that it, it's it's out of fear? People are realizing that, that what used to work no longer works. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're seeking something that will give them the security and the answers they're looking for. Like, like they need a safe sure. space. They want their safe space. That's the other thing now. You know, they have these safe spaces. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, the social justice warriors do. You know, I have. A, I guess you can't say anything, say certain things if you're in the safe space. I don't know. Anyway, I'm being sarcastic, so. Well, I, today things are changing, and I do feel that, that people are questioning more. They're, they're looking more at our history and, and finding things in our history they didn't realize belo- you know, were there. 
and we're coming to a time where consciousness is truly expanding and and because of that um, Billy's material <coughs> excuse me Billy's material makes a great deal of sense the only problem is it takes away a source it makes you responsible for everything and a lot of people don't like that I very much agree very very well said you know um, did you I a lot of times keep my show to an hour. Um, if you guys really, really want to keep going, we can. But if you, we could wrap it up now and pick up a week from now or whatever. Or if you had anything you really wanted to get out, I'd say get it out now. And <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, when I was when I was over there in Switzerland, um, it's really clear talking to Billy in person. Um, I've been out, by the way, I've been there for, uh, that was my third time being there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess technically my, my fifth time in a, in a way, because I went, I went in 2012, uh, and then I, I took, I took a few weeks in Europe and then I went back and then that was kind of how it was this year as well. And I went last year, but it was only for a few days, but, uh, he, Billy does not want to be, um, an object of special attention. And it's it's clear to anyone who's ever it should be clear to anyone who's spent time reading his literature or um, but to really be around him. He's clearly not seeking attention and and uh, is careful who he you know, who, who he makes contact with right right up right up front. Um, and he's clearly he's he's clearly not um a megalomaniac and he's clearly not crazy. It's uh, he offers recommendations and advice and, but he doesn't dictate and he remains focused on his task as a teacher um, through his literary work. And, uh, and he lives a private life out of the limelight and out of the public. So, um, I mean, he, he really embodies everything he teaches, which is uh, you can't really say that. For a lot of people who who try to teach uh, teach people things, you know. Any uh, other thoughts, guys? Barbara, Stephen. Nope. I just want to say thanks for bringing me on, and it's always a great time. Yeah, that, this has been a great show. I just I just love these sessions. Uh, I so appreciate it, and uh, hopefully next weekend we can continue to do these shows. And I really appreciate all of you guys for for joining me this afternoon. So, um, Barbara, please put this on your website, and um, I'll get it uploaded here in a little bit. You guys have a great evening. You too, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks, Stephen. (laughs) Take care. Take care.